Hey guys, here we are again. This is Scott Short with Mason Lefty Mortgage. My license number is NMLS number 225998. Corporate number is NMLS number 1141. We're back into reading from Linda Ferrari's great book called The Big Score. And we're actually in chapter 12. Wow, we're moving quick. So let's check it out. So chapter 12 is, is called Forget What You Think You Know About Credits. Some of the most devastating credit mistakes I have witnessed, being Linda Ferrari, come from individuals who followed bad advice by falling prey to credit myths. Myth. <laughs> I can say that right. <laughs> uh, they read articles, uh, bought books, or followed the well-meaning, but misguided advice of family, coworkers, friends, and financial gurus. This information they received sounded good and seemed sensible, but it was dead wrong, and it cost them big time. The credit system can seem particularly peculiar, I should say, not particularly, peculiar because an action can seem to make total sense and still be wrong. So with this chapter highlights the top 20 credit myths that cause even cause even credit conscious, consciousness, conscious, conscious, I guess, <laughs> conscious consumers to, uh, to falter. They have seen much of this information in other areas of the book, but I believe it's important to have these 20 credit myths in one place for easy reference. So I marked it chapter 12, page 109 is where the starting point is. So 20 power credit myths. Okay, I'll start with number one. Number one is you should, um, you should avoid using credit cards. Okay, let's, let's, let's dive in this one here. How many times have you heard people in a, on syndicated television shows, television, or radio advise consumers to cut up their credit cards and pay everything with cash as part of, a particular, uh, part of their financial plan? This advice is counterproductive when it comes to the credit scoring system. It makes total sense when budgeting, and I know who they're talking about. We all know who he's talking about. It's a great person uh, who's a very Christian man who does uh, financial planning, which he's a very smart guy. But with a credit scoring system, if you don't have a if you don't have any, you know, if you have no credit cards to have a credit score, then you have no score, right? So, like, if you didn't go to school, you didn't get no, you know, get no grades, then you have no grades, right? So, same kind of conversation, right? So, let's, let's look up to page uh, one ten. Now that you know that 30% of your credit score is made up of how you use and manage your credit cards, accounts, and debt, I hope you agree with my conclusion that all cash plans may be a good way to get rid of debt, but it's utter destruction to credit scores. That makes sense. So basically what you're saying here is what you can do if you want to play uh, on both sides of the game is to have a credit card pay it off each month, right? And that's, you know, that's one way to play and you have your score there. Or we talked about this in, in uh, prior chapters is if you have a credit card that is zero balanced for more than six months, then the, that item is not seen the credit scoring. It's not uh, taking the credit scoring. So you lose that great credit scoring line, I will call it for an easier word. So what we say is that, you know, use a credit card every five months for something small, you know, uh, buy, you know, coffee or whatever, something small you can pay off. A lot of people do, they'll go out and buy their groceries and then pay it off each month, the credit card. You have to be careful. Just make sure you don't go over balance. Make sure you can pay it off and you don't carry a balance because you're trying to budget and try to, you know, keep yourself in control. And that's a good thing. Um, yeah, let's keep going. So let's go, let's go to myth number two. The amount of credit card limit makes a difference. So on the limit, they're saying, you know, what's the maximum you can charge on a credit card, right? Let's go with that. The amount of your credit card limit does not make a, make a difference to the credit scoring system. 
The important number is the ratio between the balance, debt owed, and the allowable spending limit. The scoring system sees no difference between a $5 limit and a $50,000 limit. If you have $4.99 on a $5 card, you would penalize the same as if you have $49,999 on a $50,000 card. It's all about the percentage spent in relation to the amount, you, you know, amount owed. So basically what it's saying is that whatever the maximum charge on a credit card, right, let's say it's $10,000, then you, know, you want to keep it around 30% of that, so let's say $3,000 or no more, to get the best score. So zero to three, you know, to 30% is the place to be uh, with your credit to you know, make the system, well, not make system, have a system give you the best score off that one line item, I mean, that one credit item, we'll call it, right? So let's go on to number three. Myth number three, consolidating debt onto a low interest credit card will increase your scores. Ooh, I know this one. Let's read on. <laughs> Dig yourself out of the financial hole with a balance transfer. Credit card companies attempt, no, tempt you with big checks personalized with your name already printed on them. Take a vacation, improve your home. These checks are yours to do whatever you want. Ooh, that's scary. Temptation, temptation. You know what temptation is. Sounds great, doesn't it? And it would be great, except that if you consolidate all your debit onto one card, you'll max up that card uh, and your credit score will drop 80 to 100 points overnight. Oops, they forgot to tell you that part, huh? That's what she said. So it's pretty cool. So what you're looking at when you do these credit consolidations kind of things, you know, it makes sense for this lower credit, uh, what do you call it, the lower interest rate, right? But what's happening is that when you draw all that, you throw all the money on that card, as she's saying that the higher the percentage of what you can charge versus what you owe on it, that's going to hurt. Number two, the big thing that I'll tell you about is that when they force you to close all those other credit cards out, the ones that you consolidate over, then all that history you've had, all these good history you've had all these years is now gone. And that's going to hit you hard. So two things are going to hit you hard. Number one's going to be the amount of money owed on that card versus what you can charge on it, right? And number two is going to be all those credit cards you, you, just, you just closed out and lost of history is no longer reported. That's, going to, that's, that's a double whammy. Okay. So let's keep going on to number, 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 which one is this? Number four. Yes, number four. Myth number four, you have to keep a balance on your credit card or the credit won't be rated. Okay, we talked about this. Let's see what she says. As long as you use your credit card, you'll be rated. Revolving accounts become unrated due to lack of use, not whether or not it is about, if there's a balance. So if you have a credit card, it's best not to allow them to become dormant. Like I was saying, so don't go more than six months with, on a zero on a zero dollar owed credit card. Don't go more than over six months. So six months in a day, you run the credit six months in two days or one day, whatever. Then that's not if it's zero, if it's been zero balance all the time, then system won't see it, and you will not get that bump up in credit score. Okay, so you want to get a bump in credit score because you know you're 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 doing right, and you want to make sure the system understands you're doing right. Okay, so let's see number five. It's okay if you go over your credit card limit because the credit card company authorizes the purchase. Ooh, that's a scary thought. Nothing is further from the truth. Don't go over your credit card limits, even if it's just by $1. As I wrote in Chapter 7, is what she's saying, uh, doing so deals with a double penalty, and you'll lose, you could lose up to 80 to 100 points from the score if you have the, the points uh, to, look, to, to, to lose, right? So what they're saying there is if you go over by, no matter what the dollar figure is, over what your max you can charge on it, that's bad. What's even worse is when you close a card, when you close that account, right? Let's say you close the account and there's still a balance on it. Ooh, that's even worse. So those are things to be really cognitive of. And don't get caught in that trap. Number six, uh, closing credit card accounts will help your score. Here we go. 
I promise I will only say this one more time, which I won't. I'll say it more times. Don't close credit card accounts at all. The following exceptions, closing joint accounts after a divorce. Yes, okay. Removing your name from an authorized user account. Okay. That incurred negative history or has a high balance to limit ratio or in the case of identity theft. So that's the reasons you probably want to remove it, get rid of that card, right? Or close it, I should say. You will lose points in two factors. When you close a credit card account, both the amount owed factor, which is worth 30% of your credit score, and the length of history, which is another 15%, 30 plus 15 is 45%, so almost half your credit score could be damaged by this myth, we'll call it, okay? Let's keep going. So myth number seven, as long as you pay off your credit card balance every month, your score will go up. Many of my clients have made the mistake of thinking that as long as they pay their bills on time, their score should improve. But this isn't always the case to carry a high balance. The balance that hits the statement each month is the balance that gets reported to the credit bureaus. This is the balance that will be calculated in your credit score. And now you know the rules. If the balance of the credit card is greater, is over 50% of the limit, the maximum charge, when the statement is printed, you're losing points. I advise my clients to get in the habit of paying their statement before it's due. So what she's saying is you need to contact your credit card service, you want to call it, the person you make your payments to, say, hey, when do you report this item to the bureaus? How many days prior to that do I need to have you paid? So if you're doing online, online payments, you make sure the online payment hits them before that date, right? Because even though it's paid off before the month ends, the system doesn't know about it when they report, they're still going to show you have a really high balance on the card, even though you know it's zero balance. Your statement says it's zero balance. All this counts. The system knows what it knows. There you go. Right, right? Let's keep going forward. Okay, number eight. Using debit slash, e- using debit slash ATM cards will help build or rebuild your credit score. This is going to be fun. With increasing frequency, consumers will swipe their debit cards at the grocery store or the mall. They mistakenly believe they're using a bank credit card instead uh, a bank card instead of a credit card will somehow improve their credit score. This is not true. Although these cards are labeled Visa or MasterCard debit cards are the same as cash. Using debit card doesn't does not do anything to help your credit score. So basically, debit card is just basically it's like an, it's an ATM card essentially. You're not, it's not debit card. It's not a credit card that's going to be reported to the bureaus. You know, because a lot of times you don't, you don't want to report to the bureaus. So if you ever get overdrafted. On your, on your, on your, on your, you know, debit card, which means you didn't have enough money in your account when, you know, you made the charge, right? That, that would go to the bureaus and they'd be like, ooh, that'd be bad. But bottom line is a debit card does not report to the bureaus. And so do not try to, you know, that myth is stating the debit card does. Well, we know it does not report to the bureaus for, as a debit card. Okay. So not help your score and won't hurt your score essentially. <laughs> okay. Number nine, the type of credit card doesn't matter. Let's go here. Uh, okay. We talked about in Chapter 10, the credit scoring system does not like third-party finance cards. We talked about this, yes. Department, cards, uh, department store cards, furniture store cards, and gas cards. So remember we talked about that is where depending on who the true servicer, the person truly, truly, truly paying. So if you look at your credit report, they'll say Macy's slash something. Who the something is, that's the person truly paying. It depends on how they're, how they're looked at upon or in the uh, system in reference to credit scoring. Let's keep going. Uh, where'd I go? I lost myself. Oh, darn. Okay, there we go. Uh, it appears that consumers are desperate if they cannot obtain a major credit card. 
always try to use major credit cards offered through major financial institutions that report to all three credit bureaus in 30 days. So what they're saying there is that if you do have a credit card, no matter if it's a, a signature, you know, what do you call it? A, um, what things called? A, um, a secured card or whatever kind of credit cards you're using, make sure they report to the bureaus, all three, Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, report every month, you know, what's going on with that card. Don't skip months. Don't play around. They want to make sure they're always reporting to the bureaus. That's going to be the main criteria for getting that credit card, right? Make sure they report to all bureaus. Okay, number 10. Those pre-approved credit cards offers do not, let's say, do not hurt your score. Just because credit is offered to you, it doesn't mean that you should accept it. When you receive a pre-approved credit card letter in the mail, your credit report has not, not been pulled yet. So you're not approved for the count. So recognize these are just marketing ploys, you want to call them, right? They may have like some kind of a, they may, you know, they're probably buying from the credit bureaus because they sell off your data, you know, to let people market to you and drive you batty, right? But, you know, they won't, you know, they can't give all your information, but they will still say, hey, these people are in this credit score realm, blah, blah, right? And so, you know, you get that thing, oh, I'm pretty approved, cool, cool, cool. You call them up, you apply, they pull, and they pull a hard credit report, which is going to hurt your score. Then that could, you know, if they say, no, Shari, you, you, your credit is horrible <laughs> or your credit's not, you know, good enough for our, our credit card. Sorry, you know, but that sorry just hurts you because somebody pulled your credit as through a third party means a hard credit pull, not a soft pull. Soft pull means that you pull it from the credit bureaus, your employer pulled it, you know, through a certain way. But as long as they don't hit, you know, as long as that stuff does not, you know, hit your score, then you're good. But when you pull a credit card on a pre-approval thing, then that's going to hurt you when you actually ask them to apply for it. So if you don't like those little pestering little pre-approved credit cards coming to you in the mail and all that crazy stuff, you can actually go to that website we talked about. It's called www.optoutoutprescreen.com. So optoutprescreen.com, that's the website you can go to either opt out five years or lifetime. Your lifetime, as far as I remember last time I saw it, they had to mail it to you and you can fill out some postcard, whatever, send it back to them, right? But if you don't want any more of these pre-approved credit cards to, you know, to, uh, you know, fill up your mailbox, right? <laughs> and also, this will stop the people. If we run your credit from a mortgage standpoint, that will stop the uh, your your information being sold off through the, through the what they call we call trigger leads through the credit bureaus. So when a lender, mortgage lender, no matter who it is, be it B of A, be Wells Fargo, be us as a mortgage banker or a broker, don't care. As long as it's a mortgage credit report, a credit report for a mortgage, then the bureaus will sell off that data to whoever wants to buy it. We call them trigger leads because they're triggered upon you, you know, uh, getting credit pulled. Then they sell it, and then a bunch of other people can't find anybody to – they have no friends. They have buy friends, right? <laughs> so that's your lead of the day. That's your tip. Okay, let's keep going down here. Okay. Number 11, paying off an old collection or charge-off will increase your credit score. Always a good one. This myth is surrounded by controversy, mostly because many people don't understand the true effect, effect that paying off old collection counts has on credit scores. If you have a collection account and you have – May, uh, back up. If you have a collection account and you make payment, uh, make payment on it, not payments, but payment, <laughs> or make a, or make a written or oral promise to pay it, you risk immediate drop in your credit score and also risk renewing your status. So what she's saying there is, when you have you know no collection, so old collections. Remember, computer. I mean, the credit scoring system is, is computers. It's ones and zeros, like computers read. That's computer talk, right? <laughs> So um, when you have an old collection, let's say it's five-year-old collection, then you pay it off as, you know, if you pay it off fully, pay it off partially, whatever, just as long as it's paid off, unless you pay it off, right? When it's reported next 
And the credit bureau is going to say pay, charge off, pay, collection, whatever it's going to be. Problem is that depending on the date of last activity, DLA, date of last activity on your credit report, if it shows today or when you paid it, you know, report date, you know, daily activity today, pay, charge off. Also, it knows is you got a collection, a brand new collection that's paid today. There's all oh, snap, your score drops to the floor, right? Um, that's number one. The number two is we're saying, um, oh yeah, number two is we're saying that when you start making those conversations with the collection companies, you call them up, you make a plan with them. And I'm not, I don't know the legal definition of stuff here, so you, you need to talk to a lawyer, somebody, or somebody who knows credit law. That a lot of times credit companies, credit collection companies, will re-season your account. So from my understanding, that you know, statute of limitations normally is a seven year from the last late payment prior to going to collection. You have seven year, you know, window of that being reported. And after that, they're supposed to take it off. That's what I, my understanding. I'm not a lawyer, so <laughs> contact one. Um, but in this case here, there's somehow these guys will um, what I call re-season your account. So you talk to them, set planning up, and they pop for another seven years. Like, oh my God, really? So a lot of people don't know that. So you need to be very careful on that stuff and you read up on that. I would highly encourage you to go to the Federal Trade Commission website. So it's www.ftc for Federal Trade Commission.gov. They have all they're 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 the they are the regulatory body who regulates credit. So there should be a lot of information out there for you about that item. So plus she talks about she has more details about this conversation in chapter 14 and 18. So in chapter 12, she's got a couple more to go. <laughs> so we will we will revisit this conversation. Myth number 12: the credit bureaus have 30 days to respond to a dispute, or they have to delete the item from a credit report. Well, that's pretty much, you know, everybody thinks that. It's not 100 percent true. There is some wiggle. Let's go with the wiggle. So Linda says, I wish it was that easy. This one is the most common misconception I have I hear from clients when I, when they contact me for help. Basically, the consumer, we're on page now 113, credit protection law layout laws lay out specific time guidelines in which credit bureaus must respond to consumers' dispute. Yes, they have 30 days to respond. However, you have to allow for mail delivery time to and from, meaning that 30 days is probably more like 40, 45 days, you know, because like I are saying, you mail it to them, right? Send your dispute, and you know, I always tell clients to send it, you know, uh, with a tracker on it. So you get, you know, exactly when it got this, so you can start tracking dates. So that's, you know, that's why I say, so if you mailed it, you know, say Monday, probably won't get there till Wednesday, depends where the creditor is or Thursday, and they got to process it and blah, 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 right? So when a tracker kicks, then, you know, at least you have that for your card. So hold that card, you know, so when you talk to them, say, hey, you know, you guys got this per my tracking card on this date. So I have 30 days after that kind of thing, right? So you should have some tracking dates. But so don't be, you know, trying to jump down the throat on the 30th day because you know, in, their while, in, their, in their world it may not be the 30th day because of mail time, processing time, blah, blah, blah. So just be cognizant of that, okay? On top of that, the credit bureaus use stall tactics. They will either send you a letter telling you they've received your dispute and will give you a date in the near future that will respond to your dispute. Or they will send you a stall tactic letter asking for copies of proof of your social security, even if you already sent it. So they're trying to play a game with the timelines. The bottom line is that it could take more than 60 days to receive a first response to your dispute. So there you go. You see how it kind of plays out. So just be cognitive of what's going on. Track your stuff. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I usually put on there, you know, inside of one of those um, 
express mag, express, you know, go to the post office, wherever you go, get express, express bags. It's probably a one day, two day kind of delivery. Not one day, you don't need one day, we get two day delivery kind of thing with a tracker on it. So at least, you know, they know it's, you know, it's coming important. So that's just my thoughts. Okay. Let's get going here. And next one, myth number 13. If I get one credit bureau to remove an account, they will all remove it automatically. Uh huh. I wish the credit bureaus do not work with each other. They are competitors. Do not share, and they do not share data. You must contact each credit bureau individually to make sure that negativity or incorrect items are deleted or removed. There you go. Number 14, your divorce decree protects your credit score. Let's go on this one. I know he's going, but, or she's going. The agreement where the creditor takes precedence over the divorce decree, so you, uh, so you are a joint owner of an account, you're responsible for the debt, regardless of what the judge says. I will talk about this more in chapter 20. So what she's saying there is that even though the judge says you have no, you know, you don't have to pay it, right? In reference to you know, that, that credit item was awarded to the other party of your divorce, right? And the judge says, you know, it's not your responsibility to pay that payment, blah, 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 right? But the creditor says, I don't care what the judge says. He ain't, he ain't my boss, right? You owe me money. You actually signed a document. So that's where it comes from, that conversation. I see a lot of times on the car world. So that's where you want to get maybe push for somebody to refinance those items off or get your name removed off or, Something to make sure you're protected from them if they're not a, or if they're mad or vindictive, or if they're a horrible payer, then you don't be you don't be dragged down with their their problems, right? Keep going. Okay, myth number fifteen: Marrying someone who has poor credit will hurt your credit scores. Could be. Let's look. Although getting married generally means you are combining financials or finances, it does not mean that your credit will be combined. As a matter of fact, the only time the same account should show up on both reports is when you are open a joint account, account together, right? Co-signed for each other or added your spouse as authorized signer, authorized user to your credit account. Old history, good or bad, cannot legally be reported on the spouse's credit report if they did not, you know, sign as a joint owner, right? So you can't put somebody else's credit on your credit report. You know, well, the credit bureau should not do that because your name's not on the list, right? Okay. Okay. Words of caution. If you or your spouse have a joint account and you're entering into a dispute with the credit bureaus, you must dispute separately. Even if the credit bureau moves the negative item from one spouse report, this does not mean they will remove it from the other spouse. Well, that's good to know. Unless you have documented proof supporting the claim. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. So we're, we're, we're progressing quickly. Let me see how much time I got. Okay. I think I'm going to, let's, let's stop here and we'll start another show um, on myth number 16. So we're stopping here on page 114. It's uh we'll start next time on myth 16. I want page 114. This is Scott Short with Mason with Mortgage. Thanks for listening guys. Hope you're getting some good information out of this. Talk to you next time. Bye.